Wait. Hold on. Oh, no. But we're live. Yeah. I can't oh, hold man. on, Bobby. I can't. Fine. <laughs> no, I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Well, hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Flickr Effect. I'm Dave Lotz. Joining me for this, as you just heard, is Bobby Jackson. How's it going, Bobby? Oh, I guess we can't hold on anymore. So let's just go. Oh, no, I'm yeah. doing good. <laughs> no, you know what? You know what it was? I thought like my uh, web browser had frozen because I was clicking on something, trying to pull up something, and it was not responding. Uh, so I thought, like, uh, if it's frozen, then it's probably going to mess with uh, the broadcast, too. So I was like, hold on, hold on, no, don't no. go. Yeah, but it, it went, and uh, everything seems to be fine. We're okay now. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> little <laughs> Star Wars reference. Yeah, a little Star Wars reference. Um, <laughs> little housekeeping to get started. Uh, for those of you listening to us in podcast form, thanks for listening. And that's my way of telling everyone else, hey, we are also available as a podcast. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, basically, again, anywhere you listen to podcasts, just search for Flickr Effect. We also stream these record sessions live on Twitch. Twitch, we are at Flickr underscore Effect is where you can find us over there. So think that gets that stuff out of the way yeah yeah so what's new it's been a little bit because i was out of town for a week but i'm back and i still yeah. now i have a lot of catching up to do and i haven't watched stuff that you're going to talk about tonight but well i'm only going to talk about it in non-spoilery terms but before we get to that yes you did mention you've been gone for a little while so before we get into the, all the other stuff indulge me for just a minute and uh let me know exactly how your uh, camping trip went. Uh, it went really well, actually. Um, went camping. Well, yeah, for those who don't know, I live in Florida and it's hot. <laughs> and <laughs> really, I have found the only place to go camping in the summer when it's best to take the kids somewhere camping because of, you know, them, them being out of school. Um, the best place to go f- that's not more than like a one day drive from here is basically the Appalachian mountains. Cause you know, you can go up at elevation and sleep at night when it's not ridiculously warm in your tent. And, uh, yeah, we went up to the mountains of North Carolina, a couple different campsites and, uh, it was really good. Just a little bit of hiking, nothing too crazy, but, uh, yeah, I had a really good time. It was a nice week away from everything. Though I did have to watch the finale of Succession in my tent on my iPad uh, <laughs> the next day. Well, actually, I had to. I ended up splitting it up between two nights. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it aired. You know, as we all know, Sunday night. Uh, the next day, when we ended up going into town, and I got some gas, uh, <laughs> I went to a Starbucks, used their Wi-Fi to download it to my <laughs> iPad. Um, and then, yeah, you know, that was an hour and a half episode. I watched 45 minutes of it one night in the tent, hmm. and then the next 45 minutes the next night. And that reminds me of one complaint I have about Max. And oh boy, and this actually goes back to HBO Max. HBO Max is the same way. This isn't anything new. But I don't know if you've, have you done any like downloading of content with HBO Not Max or Max? Yeah. I remember the same thing happened with HBO Max. Like, they definitely, the quality of the video you get when you do the downloaded version, I don't even think it's 1080. I think it's like 720. Mm. Um, which, no, I didn't know that. It's not terrible. It's fine. I mean, but still, watching it on an iPad, not that iPad is a huge screen, but when you have it fairly close to your face, uh, I was like, eh, this quality could be better. It's a. S- it's a minor complaint, I, but I feel like when I used to download stuff on like Netflix, I've done some Netflix downloading in the past, and I don't think I remember the quality being like like less. I'm not saying it was 4K, but felt like it was at least better than the download quality on HBO Max. Yeah, oh, sorry, Max. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I haven't had that issue, but I thought what you were going to say was if I had any issues with uh, using the new Max app because. It's interesting. I I had tried to use it one day, uh, actually this past Sunday, and it wouldn't let me use the HBO Max app. It made me download 
Max. Max. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that seems a bit clunky. Like, why wouldn't you just use the same app, but just update behind it. the scenes, change the name? Yeah, update it. And yeah. so where it's pretty much you don't have to go and do that. And then beyond that, um, I was looking for a movie. I figured it would just be right there when you open it because it was a new movie and it was from um, its HBO movie. But I guess now that it's Max and it encompasses everything, they probably just don't have that stuff right up front. So I don't know if I needed to. Well, what I ended up doing is I went specifically to the HBO um, portion of the Max app. Mm hmm. And even in there, I didn't see the movie just right up front. I had to search for it. It was this movie called Reality with um, the girl from Euphoria. I can't remember the name. Oh, uh, Sydney Mark. Sweeney, I think. Is, yes, yes, Sydney Sweeney. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. A brand new movie. It just came out maybe last week. And so I, I figured it would be right there up front, and it wasn't. I had to go search for it. So I was like, that's really odd. Not intuitive. Yeah, you would think you'd want your stuff that's brand new to your thing right there same thing with the idol i wanted to check out that show mm-hmm. the weekends uh, and again it wasn't right there and so i had to search and I was, that's weird i heard the Where same was, complaint from here? like a an after show podcast that i listened to for succession like it was like a they did another episode about the finale like a week later and in that one i remember one of the hosts mentioned how she was surprised when she went into the max app i mean yeah it had been a week but still like mm-hmm. this is the the series finale for this Fairly huge show. I mean, yeah, the numbers, yeah. I guess, aren't, like, through the roof crazy, like House of the Dragon or anything. But sure. still, like, the series finale for Succession was a pretty big deal. And she mentioned how she was surprised, like, in scroll going into the app. She had to, like, dig to find Succession as a show, period. I'm like, really? That's yeah, kind of odd. It, I, yeah, I don't know. They, I, I think they need to work out some things over there. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's... Ready for prime time, as they say. Seems like it. All right. Well, you ready to get into some stuff? Let's right get now? into some stuff, shall we? I need to. All right. I, I, I've got to catch up. So catch me up. Well, now nah, one thing you are already aware of and, <laughs> and pretty much caught up on is uh, Apple had their mm. what is it called? WWDC uh, is that their conference? That they yeah, had? it's the yeah. they always do it in June. It's the Worldwide Developers Conference. Wow. Okay. So they announced a few different things, as one would do, where it's a new update to their OS for iPhone. and Or is it iPhone or is it for their OS for their desktop and, and, and uh, laptops? iOS 18, I think it was. Yeah, they, they announced that? iOS 17. 17. Um, which, yeah, is their mobile operating system for iPhone okay. and such. And then they also, for iPad and new operating system, basically, what well, iOS 17 will be like on an iPad. Also, the new operating system for Macs. I think it's Sonoma, if I remember correctly. I think is the name. Okay. They always give it a, like, a very California name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've noticed that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but the big star of the show was the one more thing, which was the apple vision pro yep their uh vr headset which doesn't just do vr apparently i think it's actually more ar than it is vr but vr is a component of it is the way i understand it um and the i i think a lot of people had rumored what the price was going to be some saying it was going to be around twenty or $2,000 or uh, maybe up to Mm $3,000. And um, the price tag was a little bit more than that. It was 3,500. And if you uh, see these, um, essentially this headgear, it's, it has a a different thing going for it. uh, I guess is, I, I would say it's more of a visor, but you, you see that what makes it stand out from the crowd of all these different types of visors headsets is that there's a way in which this thing will display your eyes sort of um, for anyone that is, if you're not instantly or engaged in something specifically within um, the, the headset and you're actually looking into the real world, it will display a a version uh, of your eyes through uh, uh, 
some different ways. I don't even, I, I know how it is, but I don't know that I can explain I think, how it is. I but. think from what it looks to me, it seems like it's doing it as like a rendered version, which if you've watched the, like any of the, if you watch the keynote or if you've seen promotional stuff, you'll, they show how there's a, I guess during the setup process when it'll use LIDAR and everything like we already have on iPhones to scan your face and create like a very a as realistic as I guess they they can get version of yourself that's not just a cartoon character or like an emo like a emoji or something, and I think it's that same kind of like technology that rendered technology that's like it's showing a version like that of your eyes, ish ish because yeah. apparently there's like these sort of like how lenses work where there's a lens in there that's. Mm-hmm taking your eyes and then reflecting it back out as it's rendering that kind of whole thing from your eyes. So it's taking that and pushing it back out. So it gives the effect of like, you're actually looking and they're seeing your eyes, eyes, but they're not, they're seeing like a digital recreation Mm -hmm. image of your eyes, Um, which is interesting. I, I think that's a unique take to it. And it allows for people to be able to see while wearing a headset, whereas nowadays you just you can't you literally can't have to take them off in order to be able to see. So um, outside of that, it does what you think typical AR stuff does and, and, and enhances uh, different types of things that are involved in the software, whether you're looking at something akin to the OS and doing different things, and it just kind of projects it in a 3D image within your own environment. Um, No specific games that I saw were announced for it, Mm -hmm. but it was more sort of a productivity kind of tool, uh, at least at this stage, until developers get their hands on it and start figuring out creative things and and ways to use it. So... um, what did you uh, come away with when you saw this thing? And, and is it something that you're at least kind of curious, interested in? Or is it just like, nah, this is just something that will pass? Uh, well, first I'll say I'm very interested in it um, for a couple of reasons. First, I have a question for you. Have you ever use like any of the meta products like vr like that or anything not meta um i've used uh, quest was is quest right well um, uh, well the meta quest there's the meta quest okay yeah it used to be yeah. oculus now it's meta okay then yeah i guess i've used oculus when it was oculus i haven't used quest so it's as, been a while then probably yeah uh yeah yeah because like that was the last thing I was i've used the what is now meta quest 2 and then okay. recently, like just before this announcement, by the way, I mean, uh, Meta did a quick at least look at what the Meta Quest 3 is going to look like, which will probably get a full announcement in the fall as mm-hmm. a way to kind of, you know, jump ahead of Apple and go, hey, don't forget, we're coming out with a way cheaper <laughs> device in the fall, you know, at five, $499. Um, anyway, my son has a Meta Quest 2, so I've used that a few times. And... You know, it's an experience, even at the lower quality experience that you're getting without, I'm, I'm saying lower quality, but I've enjoyed it. I've, I was actually pretty impressed with it. So watching the keynote and seeing what they're doing with this, it was like, wow, this looks sweet, but it's one of those things where if, if you've ever used a VR headset, it's like, you know, trying to explain to people or, sh- or show them in in a on a 2d screen like hey what's Mm. this going to be like it's you can imagine but obviously you can't really know until you experience it right yeah and so i'm watching the keynote thinking this looks awesome and i by the way like i hadn't really even though i keep up with tech stuff i guess i never really like paid attention or kind of sought out like what people were speculating the price of this thing was going to be like ahead of time yeah since everyone basically knew they were going to announce a a vr ar headset um, mm-hmm. So I had no idea. So I'm watching the keynote going, huh, man, the more and more they show about this, I'm like, this is going to be wicked expensive. But, you know, you never know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes these companies will, like, really price down an item just to get it out there. Maybe maybe Apple will do that. But knowing Apple, probably not. Like, yeah, they make usually higher-end products. 
I, and I'm watching it going, man, this is going to have a high price tag. But I was still like, when they said thirty four ninety nine, I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's, that's probably not an item I'm going to get, uh, at least not the first generation, <laughs> if I can't yeah. imagine. But the thing that's I think, impressed me even more has been the reaction of people who have actually tried it. I don't know if you've you know, seen any reviews from people. Yeah. So at WWDC, they're definitely allowing people to, I guess they, you know, I don't know if it's everyone who's attending or just certain media outlets or what they, you know, you can get a demo session that sounds like that's around 30 to 45 minutes to try Mm -hmm. it out. And of all the various tech YouTubers and also uh, YouTube filmmakers that I follow who are attending and the ones that have tried it, the, the reaction pretty unanimously that I've seen so far has been glowing for the experience. Like I think the, the resolution quality of the device paired with the almost zero latency of the device and the fact that it doesn't use any type of controllers and how intuitive apparently, you know, the hand gestures are and learning how to use and interact with the UI. It, it, that's getting me kind of excited for it, especially like, you know, we don't talk about tech on here almost at all, but obviously this device is something, you know, you can consume content on. And, you know, during the announcement when they brought up like, yeah, you could watch 3D movies on this. And the thought of like, you know, I remember seeing Way of Water, Avatar Way of Water in theaters going, mm-hmm. man, this was fantastic, this 3D experience, but will I ever get this again outside of a theater? And then the thought, I'm like, well, actually, maybe. Like, I don't know what it'll be like watching mm-hmm. it on the that headset until I try it for myself, but I was like, that would be pretty awesome to be able to watch a movie like that. And it makes me curious if this device and devices like it really start to take off what that means for filmmaking and films and 3d and I don't know. It's there's a, I think a lot of questions this raises and I, to go back to answer your original question, I'm, I'm very excited and very curious to try this out one day. (laughs) Um, Mm. I can't imagine buying this first version of it when I consider the price. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, I'm more um, skeptical about it, I guess. Not that I don't think it, it looks interesting or anything of that nature. I, I do. I think it looks pretty pretty cool for a first version and what it can do and being able to use it without hands and or um, without a controller mm-hmm. and, and being able to just use your hands to do things. I, I think that's all like perfect in in the sense that Apple really waited until they could get certain aspects down before trying to go to market with it. And obviously with a price tag like that, it's not meant for the everyday average consumer. Not yet. It's meant for um, getting it out there, breaking it. And so that uh, you get iterations and maybe by the third or fourth, it comes down to, you know, economies of scale will lower it to a price where more people would be interested in probably purchasing one, maybe like a $1,500 range or something around, you know, that area, a thousand at most. Um, So I, I definitely see where um, it's, it's potential lies, uh, especially like you said, with uh, entertainment, with, also obviously with gaming there's there's high in uh um potential my skepticism comes in um what does that look like in in our society as uh, there are so many people who um are in that apple ecosystem and it's a status thing when it comes to a lot of apple products and at one point in time a lot of us myself included looked at um airpods and was like that's weird that's like why would you have something hanging out of your ear like that and just the design of it just did not catch me Mm -hmm. in terms of when i first saw them 
But nowadays, you see everyone, not everyone, but you see a, a good amount of people walking anywhere, outdoors, at Disneyland, at any place. And they'll either have one in or both. But because you can hear and you have that passive uh, hearing that you can you know, still have them in, people wear them almost like it's an accessory of like jewelry, jewelry or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah. And so they just have them in. So imagine... 10 years from now, and, and let's say the adoption rate goes to a, an area where are we just going to have people walking down the street wearing these things? <laughs> Obviously, it'll look you know more right. compact and smaller, but are people just going to have these around? And that's our society that people are sort of like ready player one, <laughs> essentially. You're just oh, walking yeah. around and you're just not even engaging in the real world anymore. So that's where it makes me skeptical and a little worried because uh, I, I I have every um, full, uh, I guess, belief or confidence that Apple will make this thing work <laughs> one way or another, uh, just give them time. And so what is that future look like once it's uh, widely adopted so that's where i kind of come at it from it's like uh, i think it's not, a cool thing not but skeptical I, I don't like, want it to get go ahead sorry no not skeptical like uh i don't think it will work right or it will sell you're I more think like it's just a matter of time and what is, yeah. yeah 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 i i understand that completely and i i don't disagree with you i mean part of me would want to say and I've heard other people, you know, debate the same thing. Oh, well, will we see people actually walking around with these on? I mean, like, like relatively soon. And I'm not saying it would not happen. I'm sure I will, like, or we will. But you would like to think not necessarily just walking around in public with them on. But, but you say, like, 10 years, like... I think it's a distinct possibility and I, yeah. and yeah, it's, it raises interesting questions for like how people will just interact in public. And I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying for sure. And I say that as someone to like, you know, me, like I, I use Apple products and I like Apple products and, but I also don't consider myself just a diehard fanboy because you know me, I've tried to get away from the ecosystem at times and, the fact that it just works for me always draws me back in, but I like all sorts of devices, not just Apple products. Yeah. And uh, so I'm definitely not coming at the Vision Pro from just a, yep, I love everything Apple makes and I can't wait to see what the next big thing is. Like, But, you know, having used the Oculus, or, you know, the Oculus Quest 2 or the Meta Quest 2, I, I remember thinking, man, this is cool but the resolution could be better. Mm. <laughs> and it's made me resist buying one for my own until I could either afford to get one at a better resolution or wait until the technology gets to a point where the res resolution is better at a lower price. And, you know, yeah, this, this product definitely doesn't meet the lower price standard, but based on what I'm hearing about the, the, the quality of the experience, it's like, okay, that's what I want. Like, this sounds like what I want, but yeah, no, it raises a lot of interesting questions about where we're going from here, <laughs> but yeah. And you just know that like, uh, there's one of two things that will really, I guess, pr propel it into, um, mainstream even faster than, uh, maybe it would on its own. And that's. A, a video game that will come out that is just like changes the game in terms of being able to interact with it in that kind of way mm -hmm. in a r v r or let's face it it'll be porn i mean it's, it's uh, yeah that will yeah. i mean that people guys will line up to buy it at once it gets to an area and people start using it for other things so but to, to get yeah. away from porn though like another thing that i i know i would be uh really interested in experiencing is you know for those who don't know i don't i think it was a few years back that apple acquired i think they were called next vr um they would do like uh like 360 video like 
camera experiences at like a lot of concerts or sporting mm. events. And I think Apple acquired them a few years back. Now at the time, like the, the camera quality was, was, it was cool technology, but like the resolution wasn't through the roof or amazing. It sounds like in these demos, they are definitely taking that, uh, you know, company that they purchased and using that technology. And I guess they demoed experiences of like sitting courtside at a basketball game. Mm -hmm. Like, and can you imagine being able to pay a certain price to basically sit courtside at an NBA game? Um, or I guess more, uh, you know, more realistically, when you think about the fact that Apple has a deal with MLS and they have a deal with major league baseball, like sitting and ridiculously good seats that you probably normally can't afford, but to sit and watch from that point of view with that headset on that apparently looks incredible and like watch a sporting event like that, that, you know, and maybe pay like 20 bucks or something. I don't know. Like I would do that. Like to be able to sit courtside in an NBA game and experience it like that. Yeah. I would certainly try that. And from what it yeah. sounds like for, again, from the demos, it sounds like it looked pretty amazing. Definitely, I, the, I, I, the camera quality was bumped up for sure. Since I, I need to look at word. that, yeah, I have not seen the demos for it. I, I know that I had heard about that aspect of it. I just never saw the demos because I'm curious as to how that works in terms of how are you actually able to be courtside. Doesn't there need to be a camera? Yeah, there would have to be a camera there, like. Let's say so they how did many it people for can be logged in or is it like one camera per person? And, and oh, no, and only that one. So how many people can log in? Oh, you this would think one is, as many people as you want. I mean, it, with a 360 camera, it's capturing everything around it at all, at all times. And then you would imagine that it, any number of people could be using that feed. And I mean, you could move your head around and look around mm. at everything that camera is capturing. Okay. So, okay. I you, yeah, I could see I a situation where, you know, say they made a deal with the NBA and they have a spot somewhere courtside, probably, you know, closer yeah. to center court, you would think. And they would or I've heard that they actually next VR would have more than one spot. Like you would have a camera, mm. say, right at center court. And there'd be another camera on each, you know, in court. And I guess in the experience, you could switch seats at any time if you wanted to. You don't have to just be like, yep, I'm sitting in this one seat and I can't move. You could, I guess, go, yeah, okay, now well, I want to see from this camera's point of view. I, I, that would be cool. I think that you just have to obviously uh, make sure no one's messing with the camera and moving it around. Oh, well, you yeah. Know? Yeah, so <laughs> obviously little things like that. But no, that, that would be cool. There was one thing, though, I was thinking about is that I feel like maybe the next level beyond that that Apple would try or someone third third party would try would be um, getting people to wear uh, a suit, a full body suit, like almost like a wetsuit kind of thing. But it's got sensors in it so that it would be like haptic feedback kind of feeling yeah, as very ready player one. Getting what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Getting tactile feeling from things, because as, as it stands, if you felt something within the environment you can't actually feel it if it, if you interacted with it there'd be no sensation there so uh i could see someone you know that being the next step like you said right oh yeah one, getting, getting you know like that, that i mean that's i i know i i it's my understanding people are already working on that kind of technology and the stuff kind of mm. already exists to a point but yeah yeah you would imagine it would extend to apple vision pro as well I know in the demo, it sounds like there's a point in the demo everyone's been doing where you see like a dinosaur as a prehistoric point where a dinosaur comes out and then everyone keeps talking about the fact that this butterfly comes out and will land on your finger. Mm. And then a couple of people would mention how is as incredible as it looked the second, like the butterfly landed on your finger and it's really awesome. But the fact that you can't feel it, you mm -hmm. know, your brain kind of immediately goes, well, yeah. something's, this isn't you know, real. This yeah. isn't real. Um, I know I was going to mention too, if there's one thing about watching the keynote where I, I might've even laughed out loud at <laughs> when it came to the vision pro and it kind of goes back to what you're saying about people just where will they be seen wearing these devices? Mm. You know, there's a point where they talk about the fact that you can capture like video in you know, 3d, basically the headset is a 3d camera as well. And you know, it gives the example of like a, uh, your kid's birthday party and they're 
her, you know, your daughter and their friends or, you know, around a birthday cake, blowing out candles. And you can relive that memory like you were there. Like a three, yeah. it's not just a 2D video that you're watching with a headset on. It's a 3D, like, you know, video you're watching. And that, that in and of itself sounds amazing. That would be great. But then on the flip side, you know, it's they show an image of the dad wearing the goggles at the birthday mm-hmm. party, like capturing the video. And, and that's kind of weird. <laughs> like how often, yeah. as much as I, I could see myself if I owned one of these, as much as I could see myself wanting to like capture certain moments in 3D video, I also am not going to want to be wearing those goggles at that time because I also want to experience it in real life in the moment, you know, like, yeah, kind of, kind of weird. I thought that was kind of odd and funny, but anyway, it's weird and odd because it's new, but give it some years and everyone will be doing it and you won't even think about it. Just like people holding up cell phones, I guess, to take video. (laughs) Exactly that. Yeah. That's all I had about Vision Pro. All right. Well, switch gears. Talk about a little um, Star Wars. Uh, it's never a good day without talking about Star Wars. <laughs> well, finally, we've gotten a, a release date for Ahsoka, which is something we had been wondering about for a while, because they didn't say specifically at uh, this year's celebration. They really just kind of said just August. Like, oh, some, yeah, August. So yeah. They didn't give a specific date or a day, I should say. Mm-hmm. And now we have that day, and it's uh, August 23rd. And it was um, done through sort of a 30-second spot that was really a lot of what we had saw from that trailer that they had shown uh, during Celebration with maybe two or three more additional shots I don't know. I, when I talked to you about it, you hadn't seen it. Did you have a chance to follow up and, and check it out? Yeah, I watched it. I think it was like okay. a minute or something like that. Was it? I mean, it might have been a full minute. I might um, need to go back because I heard that it was shown or something was shown during last night's NBA game. Uh, I don't know if it was a longer thing than what I saw, but what I saw wasn't wasn't all that long. I think it was about a minute. I mean, 30 seconds a minute. Okay. Um, but... Uh, I mean, I felt like there were, you know, it was like a lot of the shots were similar to stuff we saw, but it was almost like different moments in the same scenes kind of thing. So you're right. It's like you watch it. It's not like you're seeing anything incredibly new, but, uh, but a little bit. So yes, I have seen it to answer your question. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't anything specific in terms of just putting out a lot of new stuff. It was really just to announce that specific date mm-hmm. in which we'll be able to see the series. Um, there was one thing that has popped up uh, as a somewhat controversial thing, but I say that and it's really probably such a small minority, but just a loud vocal minority of things as, as, as it tends to happen a lot of times on uh, the internet. Yeah. But um, there was an Empire Magazine uh, article that came out in regards to Ahsoka, and it had a couple uh, new photos. And one of the things it talked about was Ray Stevenson's character. And within that character, they mentioned that he is a um, he was a Jedi who uh, either w- escaped or was not killed during Order sixty six and becomes. Um, I, I think they said a bounty hunter. Uh, so uh, the controversy seems to be that people are upset that more Jedis than we realize escaped Order 66 and not all of them have died. And I guess they feel like it's it's messing with canon, which I don't know how you feel, but I'll at least give you my take in, in that so far we know that we have in terms of the newer sort of mythology that's kind of come around within the last decade I'd say we have Cal Kestis who's in the the Jedi games the Fallen Order games Um, now you would have this this guy from uh, Ahsoka you have Ahsoka herself Um, you have um, Ezra I would say Um, you have a few others that are out there maybe some of the ones that are in the games, the 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 um, Fallen Order game, mm. uh, 
there there's a couple so there's definitely uh maybe a, a spattering of people that are have force powers that were either jedi or whatever and so my thought was that the only way i don't okay maybe you can tell me because i'm trying to remember it exactly but did who says that all everyone is gone like is the only source of information that we have in terms of that there's no Jedi come from the Emperor? Because how reliable of a source would the Emperor be to wouldn't it serve his own interest to say they're all gone? Because well, the the number I read somewhere was that uh, at the height of the Clone Wars or or during that time period, there was about ten thousand Jedi still out there. And so I saw someone do a breakdown. It was like, yeah, so even if they wiped out 99.7% of all the Jedi, that still would leave like at least 30, 40, you know, Jedi out there, which we've not seen that many stories of, of, um, right. of Jedi running around. So to me, I don't think that the fact that there's people who survived Order 66 is that big a deal, but... Uh, I don't know. Do you think it's just a, a, a lot of uh, much ado about nothing or, or does that bother you too? Oh, no, it doesn't bother me at all. Like, <laughs> okay. It's definitely a much ado about nothing. Um, I mean, we have Inquisitors, right? That's basically the reason the Inquisitors exist, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know more about the Inquisitors than I do. No, yeah. But from my understanding, I mean, they exist because they're basically hunting down remnants of the Jedi that kind of got missed. Yeah. So we know that there's Jedi hanging around. Like, I can. I'm just trying to imagine the mindset of someone who's complaining about this, and hmm. maybe it's just like I would imagine it's maybe certain people who really don't consume a lot of other stuff and just really know the movies yeah. and now some of the bigger stuff that Disney has produced on Disney Plus, but. Maybe they just really felt like okay after Order sixty six it was really just Yoda and and Obi Wan and 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 then the kids that survived obviously Luke and Leia but other than that that was like maybe they had this kind of vision in their minds of like that's the the story that the movie set up anyway but if you've consumed even a little bit of the content past the movies I mean. I, I feel you should know that that's really not the case. Like a lot of, and like you just said, there was, there were a lot of Jedi. <laughs> like, yeah, you yeah. look at the, in attack of the clones, that scene in the, the fucking, that arena or whatever they're in, yeah, when suddenly that, all the yeah. Jedi show up. And, and I never thought that that was all of the Jedi, just a lot mm. of them. And there's a lot of Jedi there. Like it, it was always my understanding. There were a ton of Jedi and I mean, I never really knew a number. I guess what did you just say, ten thousand during the Clone yeah. Wars? Like, yeah. but no, I I think it's kind of ridiculous to complain about that. Oh, there, how like it's like it, oh, isn't it convenient that now suddenly more Jedi actually survived? Like, then I w- it, it boggles my mind yeah. that that would be something people would complain about. You should be happy that there's more stories out there to tell right. in this way. And it's like, no, uh, the fact that you are finding things to complain about mm-hmm. is just you need to just stop. Like just, <laughs> just, just. I mean, literally, stop, stop watching Star Wars right. content because it's it's um, it's making you unhappy. Like, yeah. just don't give it a give it up. Let it go. Say this my past. Pull a Kylo Ren. Just say you know. To say I enjoyed the original good. trilogy and that's it. And uh, yeah, you know, just and, and be on your way. Right. <laughs> keep watching those movies because otherwise, Star Wars should be dead to you because. Yeah, they're just gonna constantly be upset about something. So right. I don't know. It, it just I just thought I'd bring it up because I know we or I was talking about Ahsoka, so I wanted to bring it up because I saw that online that that had become something of a of a little thing. So, I hadn't heard that. So yeah, that's well, kind of interesting. I'm here to catch you up that. on all the news, David. Thank so. you. Thank <laughs> you. That's why I'm here. That's one of the things. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which. Um, I got a question for you. I have an answer. All right. Would you rather 
if you only could choose one, <laughs> would you rather see Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning in IMAX, or Oppenheimer in IMAX? Oppenheimer. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Well, the reason I ask is because there's a little bit of a storm brewing between these two movies. Yeah. Um, I've heard a little bit about this one, but not much. Okay. So, uh, Mission Impossible 7 comes out on July 14th. So, it will have an IMAX showing. Uh, if if anyone had seen, I don't, let's see, what movie was that? Maybe it was um, Avatar 2. They had showed a little bit of a preview of Dead Reckoning in IMAX showing uh, Tom Cruise performing one of the stunts, jumping out of a helicopter. And so they were really bragging about the fact that, you know, this is the best place to see it. You got to see it in IMAX. So Mm -hmm. obviously uh, Christopher McQuarrie probably did a lot of work to be able to put that there. Uh, Same with Tom Cruise. So they feel like, you know, this is their thing. This is what they've been waiting for and. Tom Cruise is after all the person that quote unquote saved the movies with uh, <laughs> Top okay. Gun Maverick. So uh, there is that. Now, a week later is when Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer comes out. Once again, another person who is a very much gung ho and pro IMAX, and this movie is made for IMAX as well. So they are having to say, we will be claiming that IMAX screen one week later <laughs> than when Mission Impossible comes out. So now we are getting into a bit of a contest and, 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 and we will see what will happen. But as it stands, if you want to watch Mission Impossible 7 in IMAX, you only have one week to do it. And you have to see it that week before Oppenheimer comes out. Unless... Tom Cruise is able to work some magic and, and get his release date moved up or <laughs> get Oppenheimer pushed back. I, I don't know that either of those things will happen. So plan to see it opening weekend if you want to see it in IMAX. Which, which would you pick? I would pick uh, Mission Impossible. Would you? Just because of the stunts. I really feel like seeing it on that wide of a vista will be impressive and being able to take full advantage of that screen. And I see it at a theater that has a 70 millimeter or whatever screen size. So (laughs) for me, it's like seeing it the, the optimal way, you know, and and, um, I, I definitely feel like um, I wouldn't be, upset if i saw oppenheimer just in dolby i i'd be a little disappointed but i feel like i'd be more disappointed seeing uh, mission impossible in dolby as opposed right. to getting to see that in the imax i just yeah i disagree i yeah i mean i get what you're saying i don't disagree about seeing mission impossible in imax like i would i intend on seeing them both in imax to be clear mm-hmm. like if i yeah can. of course yeah <clears throat> um and I really want to see Mission Impossible in IMAX. But if mm-hmm. I had to pick one, I just feel like Christopher Nolan uses an IMAX camera in such a way that even though it's not just big action scenes that, you know, look even better on a wider vista like he describes, mm-hmm. there's something about the way he uses an IMAX camera that I'm not saying it just doesn't work on a regular screen or on a Dolby screen, but... It just looks so good in IMAX and hmm. I, something about it that for me, and I, I feel like I'm in the minority. I think most people would answer the way you did, but yeah, I, I think that's why I would go with Oppenheimer. But again, I, I intend on seeing both. You would think I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know anything about the, the details of how these deals work with IMAX, you know, I mean, they're using yeah. IMAX cameras and you would, you would think that with any fi- with films that actually are using IMAX technology and wanting to present on IMAX screens that somehow in there they would have had some type of deals where they can't release so close to each other, right? Like you would think you, you would, would think. think like it surprises me that this is taking place that they're releasing one week apart from each other 
and then we're going to have yeah. th- we're going to have huge chunks of the year when you know <laughs> right. no IMAX really anything is coming IMAX. out like yeah and I think I you know I think Oppenheimer is going to do well in theaters but it's not going to make Mission Impossible numbers like does no. Oppenheimer need to come out in the summer like no right. like yeah, when you think that you would that think would it would come out, Oscar push right. type movie, you would think it'd come out in the fall, closer to awards season. Yeah. Like, yeah, I yeah. mean, <laughs> all the kids are rushing to go see Oppenheimer this summer. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's, it's summer in a theater to you. Yeah, <laughs> it's the bomb. Even though I'm the one picking Oppenheimer for IMAX, I would agree that it should really just back off away from Mission Impossible and come out in another part of the year when. It doesn't have to compete against another IMAX movie. But what do I know? Yeah, I don't know. It always seems to be something that <laughs> Christopher Nolan is involved with. We're in some sort of controversy. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's a sound thing. That's another reason why I think I'd probably not choose to see it in IMAX. Because I'm already preparing for the sound to be too low. <laughs> just like I don't know, well, IMAX, I though, see. like... Man, I saw, I don't think I mentioned it during my review, when I saw John Wick 4 in IMAX, mm. it was so fucking loud. Like, really? And I, I'm a, you know me, I'm a sound guy. I'm all for loud. Yeah. But I also recognize there's a point when, okay, <laughs> this is too much. Mm. I, as mm. much as I invo- enjoy John Wick 4, it was so loud. Uh, it was almost yeah, like, like I didn't want to leave the theater because I didn't want to miss anything. But if I didn't care about that, I would have been like walking out and telling someone like, look, it's I know I'm getting older, but I'm not mm. like it's too loud. <laughs> sure, yeah. old man, just get back in there. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I do think it will be an interesting um way this goes i don't know which direction it'll fall maybe it'll just stay the same but we'll see uh what the ramifications are so i am curious anyone out there is watching this or listening uh, what would you choose if you only had that one choice because yeah. me and david have made our choices so i'd love to do a poll what about you yeah uh so let's switch gears again and let's, let's- Get into some movie stuff that I've seen. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah. So stuff I haven't at this seen. Point, so you do watch what yeah. you say. Oh, I am very careful. I and for anyone that's out there listening or watching, I will not spoil the next two movies. Although I'm pretty sure by the box office of one of them, everyone has seen it that <laughs> wanted to see it, except for David. So <laughs> I, I will Probably still tomorrow, be careful. Actually, but okay. Um, yeah, speaking of Gears, uh, I had a chance to watch Transformers, The Rise of the Beast yesterday, which was something I had actually been anticipating ever since they had announced that Stephen Cable Jr. was directing. And for anyone who's not familiar with his name, you may have seen his work as he directed Creed 2. And I, I felt like, okay, as long as Michael Bay's not directing it, we have a chance. Um, <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know, I am a big Transformers fan. I am a, a G1 OG, as as you would think. And the sense that I grew up on, on watching that Generation 1 cartoon and Transformers the movie is still to this day one of my favorite things of Transformers. So when the first movie came out, what I enjoyed about that first Michael Bay movie was just getting to see these things realized in live action. And and that was part of the beauty of it. Um, A lot of the other aspects of it, like specifically the comedy, I I really wasn't a fan of. Um, But I forgave a lot of it because I just had such reverence for seeing these things in live action. So uh, I would say the first movie I, I like, and then anything after that, it was diminishing returns to where, uh, to the point where there is one of the movies, I can't remember which one, but I just didn't even see it. Um, I know there's one movie in the Transformers franchise I have not seen, and I can't remember which one it was. I want to say it might be The Last Night, whichever one that had Anthony Hopkins in, I think is the one I did not see. So when um, Bumblebee was announced, 
and it was going to be directed by Travis Knight, I was skeptical, but cautiously optimistic, I guess, just because Michael Bay wasn't going to be involved in in the behind the director's chair or in the director's chair. So I felt like, okay, well, maybe this one could be different. And it definitely was. It had more heart. It, it felt more um, grounded in as much as it could be being about uh, big alien robots. But the fact that I, I think that what really worked about that one was the the relationship between Bumblebee and Haley Steinfeld's character and the the aspect of it really getting into the the as the, the the their relationship in in that sense of a that she he was this protector but she was also protecting him and I, I really thought that they did such a good job but I think the thing that I love most about that movie is the first what ten minutes of it where you see the Autobots on Cybertron. That was to me exactly the Transformers that I want to see in terms of a movie. They had the G1 look to them. Um, they they sounded the way I wanted them to sound. Perfect, 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 perfect. And so um, that really endured me to that movie a lot as well. So again, fast forward to now we've got Rise of the Beast and this incorporates the Maximals, which is from Beast Wars, which was another version of Transformers that came out uh, years past any of the G1 stuff. But it was another series that I watched. There's been so many different iterations of uh, animated cartoons or animated uh, shows that have come out that I have not watched because some of them seem more geared towards a a younger audience than others. Uh, The one that I've heard the most good about that I still have not gotten around to watching is, is uh, I think it's called Transformers Prime. Um, There was one that came out recently that was broken up into, I want to say three parts that came out on Netflix the last year and a half. And that was, I thought was really good. There's still some things about it. I didn't quite care for, but the animation was great. And and I thought it was just a really solid series. Um, But rise of the beast. I will say that this is now my second favorite transformers movie behind Bumblebee. Um, What I think that they did well here was once again, giving it a, a heart, in, in the way that the characters interact with each other and specifically the human characters. A lot of times that's the weak point of the movies and it makes you want to not see that part of it and just kind of skip past it. Whereas with this one, uh, Anthony Ramos is the main human character in this and Dominic Fishback is the other uh, human character. And I think that Anthony Ramos does such a fabulous job in terms of obviously when you know that they're acting against a, 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 a blue screen or whatever. And so he seems like he really is involved with Transformers because of the way he's acting. He's just, he really sells it. And he also has a, a, a storyline there that I think really kind of just pulls you in. Uh, Dominic Fishback's character is a little bit less that she's not given quite as much to do. I felt like, but I think she did still do a a solid job with what she was given. But also I think that the whole story that we've got there and what you see from the commercial, you see Unicron coming in and it's just this um, story that really kind of gives you a, a different layer of the transformers because it still is a prequel to any of those Bay movies. Uh, and they've never really quite said these are connected to those movies. They've sort of said it, but not fully committed to it. But we do know for sure that this is a sequel to Bumblebee. So I felt like this did good, do a good job in terms of forwarding that movie into this new movie. And I think that where this movie leaves off, it, it gives me uh, an interesting idea of where it could go with the next movie. And um, I'm still chewing on that in terms of whether or not I think that would work. It just all depends on how it's executed. But I do think that they did uh, a really good job in terms of making these 
uh, Autobots and Decepticons and Predacons or, and Terracons um, look different. And uh, I guess the Decepticons aren't technically in it. It's just the Terracons, Maximals, and Autobots. And they all look, have a, a good visual design to them. You can see what they're doing. The action is clear. You can see who's fighting who. So I think they continued that from um, Bumblebee as well. And so they did a good job there. And uh, I think, honestly, the, 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 the standout for me in this movie was Pete Davidson as Mirage. He did an excellent job. Like where I, I hope that character comes back because he 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 just knocked it out of the park with that character, and I think that he probably will be a fan favorite of anyone that watches this movie. So, yeah, definitely enjoyed it, and I think that if you liked Bumblebee, this is another one that you should go check out because it really does do a good job of pulling back on all the the bayham, as it were, and and giving you something to more of a story where it's not in terms of Shakespeare or anything, but it's still a better story than we've gotten from some of the older Transformer movies. And it still fits within this, this world and, and has that familiarity to it, but builds upon it in a, in a different kind of way. So yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. And I think that it should be one that you should try and check out this weekend, just because it's obviously impacted in between last week's um, across the spider verse. And then this coming week's, the flash so yeah i doubt i will see it in theaters but yeah i'm curious yeah yeah i think you would like it i do i i don't know that you'd be like jumping up and down about it right but i think you would think it's solid but did you like bumblebee uh i i still haven't seen Bumblebee. <laughs> okay I, I wasn't for sure i wasn't sadly for sure if you had i seen i would probably watch bumblebee first just, yeah, I think that's a good thing. You, and, you'd you want to watch Bumblebee first before watching this if you have not seen Bumblebee. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Yash is not here. I feel like I have a similar vibe to him, I, I think, when it comes to the Transformers franchise. Like, like I don't know. Like, yeah, I just, uh, the Michael Bay stuff kind of got me to a point where I'm just kind of over it and even though i know that these newer movies are a different feel and i completely trust your opinion i i think i my my i still haven't had that strong desire to like go to a theater to see one of these it's mainly what i'm yeah. getting at even though i have a feeling i'll watch them and go actually yeah those are pretty good i do i do have that feeling but it yeah. has made me not like want to run out to a theater mm, that's fair yeah i think that's part of the problem that they're facing that that kind of uphill battle for people who have been burned by all the Bay movies that don't want to go back and watch any of these newer movies, even though they don't necessarily understand or know that Bay isn't directly involved. involved. He's, he's got a executive producer credit, but so does Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I don't think he's doing anything yeah. with these movies. So he's just name is there, but yeah, um, it, they definitely have a different feel, but I think the tough uh, thing there some of the essence for general audiences is that even though you're right, they do look different. They don't look different enough. They basically look right. like the same transformers from, yeah. From the Michael Bay movie. So I think it's, that's why it's easy for most people to just go. Yep. It's more the same. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. And I, that's why I wish that if you ever, once you do have a chance to watch Bumblebee and you see those first 10 minutes and if you, seen obviously any transformer g1 cartoon you'll see just how closely they look to that mm. i think that they should have continued that even in this movie but it's the design has changed to sort of somewhat match some of the base stuff but still mm. have a more of a better um featured look to them where it's not looks like it's just all metal just like combined together where it just kind of looks you can't make out any definition these are still more defined than than the bay movies but not quite still where i would personally want it to be like g1 but right. you know it's just sort of a small nitpick but next year there is an animated transformers movie coming out uh, in theaters that i'll be curious to see and it's one is sort of an early one um takes place on cybertron and it's uh, the story, I guess, the when Megatron and Optimus Prime, I think, were both on the same side, I want to say, before mm -hmm. Megatron became bad kind of thing. Gotcha. So, yeah, should be interesting. Hmm. Cool. 
Well, there's obviously, as I sort of mentioned before, one other movie that I had a chance to see, along with a whole bunch of other people, <laughs> which is <laughs> uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And uh, just for a little bit of, uh, I guess, for catching up in terms of if you don't know, that movie, it opened to $120.6 million, which by estimates, I think it was like five times the amount the original movie made when it first came out. Um, to date, it is at uh, $159.8 million domestic and 87 only 87 international which is weird to me that it's not doing better internationally but worldwide it's at 247 million dollars already uh within less than a week so that's or i guess it's just been about a week and uh some change but very very good in terms of where it's going and doing and at this point i don't know if you've seen the the amount of information out there or um have heard from people but this movie is fantastic if you like the first one i don't have any doubt in my mind that you will like this one as well the the real question is just how much do you think this one is better than the first one um and at this point it seems like it's a, it's a, a sure in for winning um the best animated film and it's a matter of will it get nominated for best picture uh, because we know the academy sometimes frowns on i shouldn't say sometimes pretty much always frowns on animation or genre films so uh i don't know if that will get the nomination for best uh, best picture but a lot of people are saying that it's good enough to do that so from my standpoint, the, the way I felt about this movie was that I, I think that it's, it's a little bit harder for me to say it's better than the first one, only because that first one just kind of really defined its uh, look. It became a, its actual thing. It won Best, uh, Best Animated Film that year it came out for the Oscar. And so it has this originality thing going for it. What I will say... I do believe and feel like this is a better story than the first uh, movie. While I do think that first movie's story is is great, I think this one ups the level, up the, ups the game in terms of how good the story is. So uh, I will definitely give it points on that. The only things I, I would say that where I can't really say it's better than the first one in terms of um, I still need to sort of sit with it to determine whether ultimately I feel if it's better than the first one or not in in, in the way I, I sort of view it is one uh, it it's long I think it was like two hours and 20 minutes 30 minutes somewhere around there oh, really? where I don't feel like it yeah I don't feel like it needed to be quite that long um, but even though once it ends, you're still like you you want more. But I don't feel like it necessarily needed to be that long. Um, and the other thing that I would sort of um, say that I, I didn't think that was as good was some of the action that happens in the movie. It there's there tends to be a lot of the action for sure. But I don't think that all the every time there was there were certain times where the action didn't do enough to differentiate itself, to stand out, you know, like how you would get in a typical movie, you have these set pieces. And so there's something unique in which that, in which the actions happen, the action happens in that set piece. So like, if you take John Wick, for instance, um, it, there's a, there's a, there's stuff that happens in on a stairwell. Uh, that's a set piece. There's stuff that happens in, what is that called? The, not the Louvre, um, but the area in Paris where there's the circle uh, oh, that goes around. Yeah, I don't remember that. Uh, there's the action set piece there. And so they stand out from one another. And I think that there was so much action in this that didn't always differentiate itself from just another sort of action scene. And there's so much of it. And, and it's where it's like um, it becomes... Um, uh, not tiring, but in a way that it's it, it, there's nothing that's it's 
really standing out. So it just kind of all sort of meshes together within a scene. Um, not saying like all of it throughout that way is like that, but there was just one particular scene battle that I remember where it was like, um, I'm watching it, but there's nothing that's fascinating about this sequence, this fight scene. But that's like nitpicky stuff for me because it really wasn't that bad in terms of me talking about it. I'm just saying because it was something I noticed in the length of time. Whereas I didn't have that uh, issue with the first movie at all. So that's why I'm still sort of like, I think the first one is better, but this one is still top notch and and such a great addition to this franchise that uh, the next one I believe comes out next March and it, it can't get here soon enough. Yep, this is this is a movie I'm super pumped I haven't seen yet. <laughs> but again, the camping trip I was on kind of and it's like one of those like didn't see it right when it came out, like that opening weekend and then this week it's just been busy. So tomorrow night I have a feeling I will be seeing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's good too because I don't know in terms of like if you were to wait beyond um this weekend what theater you'd end up seeing it in because mm. now we've got we start to get into flash stuff and then yeah. you obviously still have transformers and you still have that so maybe it pushes it into a theater that's not as great you know so yeah it is good that you're getting a chance to see it tomorrow soon 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 yeah, yeah. well any any last things before we wrap things up or not unless there's some breaking news um no nope. I don't I have don't, Twitter anymore, so I don't know any breaking news. Uh, well, I know some breaking <laughs> news, but it, it's not news that we talk about. No, <laughs> political breaking news, I think, is what you're yeah. talking about. That I know about, <laughs> yeah. but no. Um, well, we all, we'll leave that off the show. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. with that, uh, for everyone listening and watching, uh, you can reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at Flickr um, or feedback at flickereffect.com. You can email us there. If you're watching on Twitch, uh, you can leave questions and comments. You can do the same on YouTube. Find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Flickr effect. We're also on Instagram at Flickr underscore effect as well. With that, I'm David Lott. I'm Bobby Jackson. Thanks for listening and watching, everybody. Bye bye. See you.